Hey, what's up, everyone? We are live on another episode of Adventures in DevOps. I'm your host today, Will Button, and joining me in the studio, Puneet Gupta. And Puneet, I, I, I like um, one of the things I like instantly about this is you've said that your professional work and your personal hobbies collide, which is exactly how I ended up doing this. You know, I remember way back in my career, someone was um, like, Hey, can you can you fix this server for me, or can you build this website for me? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Here you go. And then they said, great, thanks. What do I owe you? I was like, wait, I can make money doing this. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> 30 years later, here we are. Yeah, yeah. So, Puneet, welcome to the show. You are the CEO and co-founder of Amber.io, right? Amberflow.io. Amberflow. Sorry, that's the beauty of doing live is. Now, all of a sudden, everyone gets to hear how often exactly I screw up in these podcasts. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your background, how you ended up starting your own company, which is three years in for a startup, which is kind of like a, a significant milestone. Like if you make it past the three-year point, yeah. things start to get, um, you get a little confidence at that at that stage. Yeah, no, sure thing. Uh, well, by, you know, great to be with you. Uh, thanks uh, for having me on your show. Uh, looking forward to it. And um, yeah, maybe I just, you know, by ways of introduction, and I think uh, we can, I'd love to also unpack, you know, how sort of the hobbies and work collide. I sort of have my own story there. Um, and, you know, it's kind of evolved over over a period of time. But uh, yeah, just by ways of uh, sort of quick background, you know, Amberflow.io, we enable businesses to charge and track on usage. We provide a cloud metering and usage-based pricing and billing platform. I'm sure we'll have a chance to dive into that a little bit more. Um, and uh, yeah, Amberflow.io, we're now uh, about three years in. And uh, the company was started actually, uh, I think what was being called for a period of time, born in the COVID era. So <laughs> right. uh, we're one of those. And I think, you know, that's, uh, uh, that's a good part of uh, our story. Uh, uh, and what that means is, when we started the company, uh, we were in the lockdown back in 2020, and uh, we raised a seed round. Um, we we did not get to meet our investors face to face for about another year. The, the whole round was done on Zoom uh, online. Oh wow! Yeah, as, as you know, uh, so uh, some interesting you know artifacts and uh, outputs of, of that lockdown era. But uh, you know, the lockdown I, I think served in, in some unique ways, interesting ways, actually beneficial um, to startup like us. Uh, so anyways, uh, there's stuff there. But uh, yeah, the company's about three years old. Uh, we're venture back. We raised two rounds of funding, a seed round. Uh, and then uh, earlier this year, we had raised an A round. So we've got about $20 million in funding. Uh, but yeah, like you said, you know, uh, off to a good start, off to a decent start. Uh, a lot of things have to connect uh, in the journey of a startup, especially early, as you called out. You know, you have three years in. Um, I think, uh, you know, there's uh, momentum building. We like to say we, we're seeing some tailwinds uh, on our backs. Uh, and I uh, attribute that, you know, just to a good healthy combination of, you know, maybe a few things we, that we got right, but also a lot of things that uh, the market is, uh, that are happening in the market organically. Market's turning in this direction. And uh, we're definitely benefiting from that. Right on. Yeah. You know, I've spent pretty much my entire career working for startups and, one of the things that I've learned about startups in that period is that for most of the startups that are successful in the long term, the product that makes them successful is not actually the product that they start with. And I, I love using the aviation industry as an example of this because it's it's something that's a new enough industry that we can kind of visualize what the beginnings were like, but it's also been around long enough that we can see what happens at scale over time you know and if you think about like when the wright brothers launched their first airplane in what was it like 1903 i think they probably didn't have any idea of what modern aviation would look like and um 
and and how it's iterated and how it's just impacted everyone. So they had to the in, in the industry as a whole had to pivot along the way. So have you seen that in your company? Like, what was your initial idea versus what's what's working for you right now? Yeah, you know that's uh, uh, yeah. You're gonna take us down a little bit of a memory lane and also a little bit of a, sort of the founding founding thesis uh, that we had, which uh, you know, which was uh, I guess it's still obviously playing out, but um, I want to say uh, somewhat contrarian to the typical. Uh, startup lens that uh, perhaps you might see outside and looking inside Silicon Valley. Uh, so yeah, let's let's go into that, and I'll I'll certainly index on that. <clears throat> so uh, you know, we'll talk a lot lot about you know, like, like I said, you know, there, we feel that the world is shifting. There's a there's a change in business model, uh, how, you know, in the business models of businesses, right? So monetization model, how. Companies are increasingly selling their products and service. They're shifting to what we call a usage-based model versus a seat-based. And mm-hmm. um, that's a foundational shift. Like I like to say, uh, business models don't change very often, Will. And, you know, and we, can, we can look back from the dawn of software, you know, whatever that is, 60, 70 years ago. I think at best, maybe if you had one, people refer back to the subscription model. And I would even challenge that. I think there was more sort of financial optics change rather than a full-on technology business model change. This one is going from uh, something that was fixed and recovering to a full-on metered usage-based model. That's a foundational shift. Okay. Um, how does sort of this play back to, uh, you know, how we looked at things and um, how things have, uh, have evolved? So what I was referring to earlier, I don't know, I, you know, I may be off, but I think generally uh, one of the things that has sort of been less exciting in the world of startups in Silicon Valley is I think there's sort of this templatized approach where go pick, find a niche, you know, almost like a feature. Uh, maybe the transition point is it, it, it already existed on-prem and, and you figure out a way to deliver it in the cloud. And you quickly build a company and a product behind it and off you go. And, and then it's a race to ARR and MRR. And, and then, you know, in 10 years, you aim to get to 100 million in ARR and you sell for a couple of billions and kumbaya. Okay, that's, uh, and obviously, you know, nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, that itself takes, uh, you know, sweat and blood and and, and whatnot. Um, Our view is slightly different. You know, we just, we dream to imagine a little bit bigger than that. And uh, some of that was just a function of what we saw. So I think, you know, maybe I'll put some credibility into the statement. I mean, you're looking across, uh, you know, across the screen, you know, I'm a little bit of an old hand at uh, technology. I've been around a block. It's just as you have. I got uh, 25 years under my belt in, in tech before I decided to drop everything and, and go do the startup. So it wasn't just trying to chase a wave. And uh, this is what we're doing here at Amberflow. I call it sort of as a labor of love because it's all passion-driven. It's all vision-driven. Um, and uh, this is kind of going into then the question you've asked. So we've, we first saw that uh, we like to say sort of in the fullness of time. So already, you know, kind of taking a long-term view and the fullness of time is at least five years out, more like 10 years out. You know, if you want to talk about, uh, you know, thesis 10 years out, that's a comfort zone for me. So, because as we said, if there's a shift in the monetization business model, this is going to play out over a period of time. You know, you're not right. just on Monday morning and flip a switch and, and change your business model. It's going to ripple through every functional area of your business. And maybe uh, the confidence comes from, you know, uh, personally, I've been a little bit lucky. I've spent some time at AWS, at Amazon. I think it's one of the companies uh, that is credited and known for some long-term thinking. And I think it's, it's evident for how they've played out over the last uh, you know, couple of decades. So got to be, you know, in that environment. So comfortable with that thinking process. Uh, I think maybe I draw my confidence from there. And then a function of, I think, what we see in the market. Like, if this is the change that's happening, then, well, there is a lot of opportunity here over the next five years. So that is the starting point. Now it goes to your question. Okay, so if that's how we're looking at it, then uh, we still have to build a business. We still have to go to market. So then what is the launch pad? So we are looking at it from that lens. We have a very specific, well-understood or, or well projected view of the long term. We're here in this for the long term. Five, three years out, we see a technology stack, I think, that's going to evolve, that's going to adjust, that's going to innovate, 
and we're seeing tremendous uh, levels of opportunity for Amberflow to play into that transition. Yeah. Starting point is, uh, you know, as a startup, you kind of have to gravitate where at least the majority of the narrative is. So you can at least start to connect the dots, find product market fit, and, you know, start to build the business and start to... So for us, the big opportunity that we saw was in building a new platform, technology artifact that we call metering. However, uh, not many folks, at least three years ago, were talking much about metering. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's a brand new concept to me. Yeah, right. So, so there you go, right? So it's so, somewhat orthogonal. I mean, we are motivated by what metering is and what metering can do today and out five years and 10 years. Okay. That is really what gets up, uh, us up in the morning. And uh, usage-based pricing and billing is then simply an artifact is sort of a means to an end, if you, if you view, right? So it's just one of the benefactors of metering. If you want to get, we like to say, you know, if you want to get usage-based pricing and billing right, you must first get metering right. So, so that's sort of our view. So we we spent really sort of the first year of our existence just heads down, nothing but building the metering service. And, and metering is a heavy lift. Part of it, it is not that well understood, as you said, you know, called out. There are not that many blueprints of how to effectively build a metering service at scale. Uh, what are some of the design tenets and thesis? Uh, so it is a heavy lift. Uh, we spent the year building a metering service. Then we layered an application on top of metering that we call billing cloud or usage-based pricing and billing. And that's our go-to-market motion today. So we feel with this approach, we're going to continue to expand. Um, we don't consider ourselves a single product company. We're going to be a multi-product company by our genesis, by our design. And that's the foundation we make. Right on. So help me understand what, like, if I if I want to think about things from a metering perspective, what am I am I looking at that? Does that translate to like figuring out how to spend or how to how to track how much time someone spends in my application or what actions they're taking and turning that into a monetized metric? That is uh, precisely that, but there's more to it. Okay, so that is certainly so. So think of metering. Uh, you know. It is really sort of the Swiss army knife. Actually, let me even take a step back. So uh, one is, you know, why isn't there that much level of awareness? I mean, we're about, you know, 10, 15 years into the cloud journey. And, uh, you know, we're now talking about, yeah, okay, I've heard of it, but, you know. But, uh, yeah, let me sort of uh, come full circle. And then, uh, you know, we can uh, unpack sort of the Swiss army knife. You know, why is this such a core piece? Um, first, I'll, I'll maybe just start off by some... Uh, against some evidence. If you look at all the companies out there today who have achieved a level of scale in the cloud, and of course, I'm not just talking about the, the three or four large cloud providers, but you know the next batch of companies like Twilio, Databricks, Mongo, Snowflake, right, and then increasingly on. Mm -hmm. I think if you go and, and study those companies, you'll find that they have, over time, built an in-house metering service. So what I'm getting at is, you know, once you find that you... Uh, are native in the cloud, you're achieving a level of scale in the cloud, you cannot do without this construct. Okay. And I would even profess to go as far as saying that I think they, perhaps many of them, if not all of them, discovered this after the fact, and then they hurried to kind of get this instrumentation, this metering infrastructure put in place. And most of them have built themselves because, quite frankly, there wasn't one available off the shelf at the time. Right. Okay. So what is it, right, uh, this thing about metering? Well, metering, uh, the term, of course, we all grew up with. I mean, it's the utility meter that's on the back of our homes. You know, it's the metering our, our usage. So there you go, usage, metering. But, but let's take a step back. So why is it such an important construct in cloud, and why has it gone unnoticed for so long? Okay. Um, first is, um, you know, let, let's look at... Uh, uh, we all know cloud is elastic. Okay, that's you know that's a no-brainer. Everybody understands that, which basically means that you can dial up and dial down your backend resources, your mm -hmm. uh, resources. Okay. Um, then the question is, you know, uh, 
if the backend is elastic, if I'm building in the cloud, which in the fullness of time everybody is, uh, and you are building on a foundation, you know, foundation platform that is elastic, you know, I, I almost almost envision like a, you know, sort of a quicksand, like you know, it, it's it's a uh, you know, it, it's a uh, it's a little bit wobbly, right? It can go up and down, right? It can shift. Okay, so how do you tame elasticity? Because eventually you're going to have to build something that is solid. So usage, um, elasticity, and the artifact to tame elasticity is metering. Okay, so what is metering by definition? Metering is metering tells you what is being used, by whom, when, what, where, how much. That's it. Put a box around it, right? Nothing to do with pricing and billing just yet. Okay. What Used in my cloud infrastructure, by whom, when, what, where, how much. That is the job of a metering service. It is the owner uh, of that construct, meaning uh, it is the source of truth. It is the system of record for what is being used by whom, when, what, where, how much. You have to, uh, if you wish to scale and build a company in the cloud, you have to treat this box as sacrosanct. Okay. You, you cannot... You know, this is not a data lake or a data warehouse where I munge it with this, or can I throw this in there, or can I throw that in there? You need to get this right, because uh, if you don't, and you try to do it through some other ways, then inevitably, when you when somebody asks that question inside your company, and it will come from all functional areas, different functional areas, what is being used by whom? Sales wants to know. Product wants to know. Engineering wants to know, support wants to know, finance wants to know, accounting wants to know. When they're going to ask that question, if they ask a follow-up question, hey, is this data accurate? My friend, you do not have a metering service in place. Therefore, all of these companies over time woke up to the fact that, you know, we got to solve this. We got to solve this once and for all. And there needs to be a system of truth, system of record for consumption data, for usage and consumption data that I can tap into and there should not be a follow-on question, is this accurate or is this correct? Right. And the reason why you can then um, tackle that question because then you, you know, because you treat it as a separate artifact. You give it due diligence, you put the right infrastructure, you're not trying to balance it uh, as a combination of observability or monitoring or logging or throwing it into a data lake and trying to, you know, so, so we can also unpack a little bit more on the architecture side. But that is the starting point. So you are on elastic backend infrastructure. The only way to claim elasticity is to put metering in place so you can see what is being used by whom, when, what, where, how much. Now, for companies who have been in the cloud for a while, and as we said, sort of in this fullness of time, you will find, and then what is this genesis of usage-based pricing and billing? Companies are discovering that, you know, if my backend is elastic, the cost goes up and down based on usage. My front end also has to be elastic. What I mean by that, my front end is how then you sell your products and services also will need to be elastic so that you can align your front end use to your back end elastic uh, infrastructure. And that's basically the cloud. Well, I mean, the, the optics of the cloud. So that is what led to usage-based pricing in the first place. You know, it is a heavy lift. You have to put this instrumentation in place. Uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, product and engineering work. So unlike traditional seat-based pricing plans, where, yeah, just after the fact, come up with some arbitrary number that's high enough that gives you a margin uh, ratio, okay, off you go. No, here, you have to do this instrumentation. You have to know what is the, what is it that you're consuming in the back end, what your customers are consuming on the front end, and that alignment and that visibility needs to be there. The metering does that. I got you. I, I kind of feel like there's a, a light bulb going off over my head because this is a problem that I faced at several of the startups that I worked with where we have our infrastructure and we tracked, you know, monthly active users and then have the question posed to us by the next round of investors of, you know, does this scale? What is your your revenue and your profit margin look like at that scale? And to be honest, in many cases, we just took a wild guess and said, "Oh yeah, it's it's definitely scales and and margins will look like this." But metering is actually 
the simple math calculation that allows you to accurately predict what your infrastructure cost will be at a given level and what your prices have to be at that point to be turning a profit. Totally well. In fact, you know, uh, just for your audience, I don't even take my word for it. I think you they will find credibility in this. You know, one of the uh, the, the hidden uh, sort of the secrets of the success of AWS, certainly the pioneer leader in the cloud, um, is on the backs of the metering service, right? I mean, if um, you know, I was there in the early days uh, as a GM, had a chance with the team to build and launch a couple of tier one AWS services. Um, this you you're not running a cloud business unless you have a metering service outputting this data on a daily basis, pretty much on a real time basis. And that is what I'm you know why the company continues to grow and was on such a rapid pace of innovation. Let me actually give another anecdote, uh, uh, actually empirical data for your audience. So I'd like you know for for uh, all you folks to think about this. I don't know what, maybe 200 plus different AWS services over the last 10 years, 15 years. Mm -hmm. You are not going to find a single one, not a single one where they had to retract the pricing model for, that they didn't get it right at the outset. Oh, that's a fair point. That's a really good point. Um, Typically, you can count on AWS pricing going down over time. But I've, I, I can't recall a single instance where prices have actually increased. Well, not just increased. What I'm saying is, you know, to get the, the model, like, you know, they sort of had a mea couple, oops, you know, this is not what we intended. We, we didn't think it through. We're going to charge it not this way, but this way. Mm-hmm. So they have consistently, every time, gotten the model correct, whatever new service that they've brought on, and they're innovating up and down the stack, right? Infrastructure, platform as a service. Uh, you know, more and more increasingly applications, right? So uh, what I'm getting at is it's not an accident. You know, it's not like, you know, they've got all the smart people under the sun, anything like that. No, there's a framework. There's a methodology. Metering service is is basically bubbling up the intelligence, the data, and they're constantly looking at that. I was, uh, you know, all managers, GMs, and people who are building new things and existing artifacts are constantly looking at this data, and data is informing what is your customer-facing price points? Where should we dial that up? And is it time to now give a discount? What are the usage patterns? Like I said, what is being used by whom, when, what, where, how much? So metering is the backbone uh, for cloud operations. Right on. So my background, infrastructure-based, you know, I typically think about scale and um, and utilization in terms of you know, CPU, memory, network bandwidth, all very foundational compute metrics. What's the what's the the shift there to go from thinking about traditional infrastructure to metering based? How do, what what different things do you have to start thinking about and start tracking? Great question. Yeah. So this comes up uh, also quite a bit. Okay. So almost everybody will have yeah. You know. You open your eyes, you want to start writing first, second lines of code for whatever idea application business you're building. You know, you know, you, this, this is a checklist of things, you know. Uh, you're going to drop in some kind of a monitoring tool. You're going to drop in some kind of a logging tool. And maybe soon thereafter, you're going to look to maybe get some kind of an observability the moment you stand up some infrastructure. Okay. All of that, great stuff needed. Here's the thing, right? So uh, because metering hasn't quite caught up to that checkbox, as we said, you know, inevitably... And at the end of the day, it is it is also a event ingestion pipeline. So in that regard, it it is a close cousin to the artifacts of observability or monitoring because it's basically event ingestion. But here's the kicker. Here's the difference. So here's why again, all these companies ended up building a metering service, certainly uh, at AWS and other large cloud providers and others that we discussed. Metering events, meter has to have attribution to who is it, on whose behalf is this event for? Okay. So, you know, unlike, let's say, logging, which is, of course, you know, tracking your functions and, you know, did it execute and, and whatever, metering is about usage. So meter events will, by design, have to have an attribution. This meter, this usage event is on behalf of this person, customer, 
partner, system, cluster, whatever that is that you want to attribute that to. So that then sort of has to, I like to say, sort of loads a little bit further up the stack, right? Because at the logging level, you may not always have that attribution. Right? Mm-hmm. Logging is you know, function a lot of times, you know, um, like observability or APM, you know, it's done on the back end, uh, just parsing through the Java stack. So metering is a little bit of a higher level artifact. You need to have that attribution. So then it puts you into the SDK and API there, and you have to put it into your stack where either as part of your control plane or as part of your data plane, so you can attribute on whose behalf this is happening. Uh, let me give a little bit more um, clarity to this. So, uh, you know, there's a whole uh, uh, fringe economy that has stood up um, on the backs of the cloud providers bill, which is now cloud cost management. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, the, the intention is good, right? But I, I would uh, challenge that, one, the problem has not been fully solved. And I think the methodology is fundamentally flawed. Uh, I highlight this distinction between metering and some of the other observability monitoring. So, uh, whole bunch of, you know, I, quite frankly, I, I'm interested in, in seeing if there's one out there, but I think all the companies that I see in cloud cost management, the first thing they'll have you do is log into, give them your cloud providers' credentials and suck in the bill and, you know, they'll start parsing it and all of that. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll put this uh, sort of uh, thesis forward. At least when I was at AWS, and I think, and this is back to this is how it is even today and it was even before I got there. Uh, and this is general knowledge. Amazon, AWS in particular, maniacal about cost, saving cost, uh, operational efficiency. Right? This, this is not a secret. They're written about it. They talk about it. It's part of their culture. It's part of their leadership principles. Every year when you come in and you present the plan for the next year, you have to have a chapter in your uh, planning for next year on how you plan to take off operation. How do you think to become more efficient? I can categorically tell you, Will, you think I used to wait for my bill, AWS bill to show up, and then sort of parse through that and uh, come up with my strategy and how I'm going to take costs out of my cloud operation? No, probably not. That's right. I had a metering service that I could lean on. That was telling me what is being used by whom when, what, where, how much. I don't need to go to anybody in accounting. I don't need to go to anybody in finance. I don't need to wait for the bill to show up. I had a metering service, and the metering service is a data warehouse, and I can tap into the data warehouse based on existing artifacts, dashboards, and my own access into that. And I had visibility even before the salespeople knew who was using what on my service. That is cloud operations for you. So notice, in the context of business, right? So yes, we. Uh, this is not an either or. I mean, our engineering teams, of course, have logging and monitoring and visibility, as like you rightfully said. There's a need for that. You know, observability will track. Are you up? Are you up? Are you down? Are you down? And other than that, yes, they will tell you. Okay, how hot are you running? Are you 90 percent? Are you 70 percent? There's a need for that. Metering is telling me this user logged in stayed on this instance for this long, this user, not the instance, they logged out or then shut it down, right? I have that correlation between two and two. And that is what metering is answering for, right? And that basically drives me forward as a business. I leverage that into my operations to the extent so it it literally is the electrical meter on the back of your house. So the the electric company can see exactly which household used how much service. It's exactly that, you know, and that's and you know that's why it's magical because yeah, that's where the term metering comes from. Uh, you know, it's not it's something that cloud providers invented. It's not something it obvious the term. You know, metering. Yes, this is an infrastructure. As we said, it's elastic. It will go up and down. People will dial it up and down. Hey, we cannot be flying blind on this. We AWS themselves need to know 
first and foremost, who is using what and how much before they can do anything and, and go anything further or, or build anything on top of it. So for them, this is a first-class citizen, so to speak. Right? Metering, if there's a hiccup on the metering service inside AWS, one, there will never be. I mean, it, the, the, the house will come crashing down. There's, it's like step one. There's a beacon that shows up, like a red beacon that starts to spin. <laughs> <laughs> Internal dashboards, you know, so, you know, you, which basically tells you that, yeah, open up your sleeping bag, you're not going home. Okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it is, uh, it is that critical, uh, everything. And uh, uh, so it's precisely that. And therefore, uh, and now you think about, okay, so how, how come then we have come along this far, 10, 15 years uh, into cloud? And of course, you know, many businesses have built uh, successful businesses and some maybe today do not have metering services and they're doing reasonably well. I called out, you know, the ones who really achieved a level of scale ultimately have built a metering service, but there are mm-hmm. many who have not. And I think uh, the reason for that is, uh, well, I think, you know, why it has gone on for so long, but why from day one cloud providers had it because they had no business if they didn't have metering service started on day one. A couple of things. One is um, I think that the business context was perhaps missing, right? So, of course, ultimately everything is driven inside an organization, particularly started, you know, it's a classic old uh, resource allocation discussion, okay, priorities. So, uh, well, you could do a lot of things, okay, what are the things that we do first? So the, the business narrative was perhaps missing and the business narrative comes in the form of usage-based pricing implementation. Right? So that is the wake-up call because uh, you may be running a large cloud business today, but you know if your go-to-market is not usage-based, then the business need, like I said, the business operational need for what is being used by whom, when, what, where, how much never really came to the surface. And therefore, the engineering and product teams never built or needed to build a metering service. And therefore, they have gone on this long, even though they're running successful businesses in the cloud without having a metering service. The moment, uh, so the business context was missing. Now, in the world of AWS and other cloud providers, some already had the foresight. So they did it from day one and they have grown with it. Uh, because they knew that they could not do it otherwise because they, their pricing plans were usage-based from, from day one. So you will find that any company that launched day one on usage-based, this is guaranteed well. You will find a metering service there. Okay. So uh, so the ones now who are shifting to the model of usage basis, they are going to discover. And I think we're seeing increasingly, when I said we got tailwinds, we're finding more and more people are sort of nodding their head. Yeah, I, I need this artifact. In fact, some are asking for it by name now. So still relatively early, but give it another year, two years, three years, uh, this becomes a checkbox item for, for a cloud-native system. Yeah, just thinking through like the, the evolution of software, I, I think I see how this becomes a path because if we go back you know, 20 years ago, if you needed a copy of Microsoft Office, you went down to the local computer store and you bought, you know, if you're, if you're old enough, you bought you bought it and brought the floppy disk back to your computer. And then when modern technology hit, you went and bought the CD. And then whenever they went to an online business model, it's still the same business model for them where you're paying for a seat of Microsoft Office. But now with everything available on demand, a lot of companies are seeing increased competitors because the ability to launch a competitor or the barrier to launch a business is so much lower now. And so you have to find different ways to be competitive. And and one of the ways is to accurately price your product based on utilization. And then how do you measure utilization? Well, that seems that's the metering aspect of it. So to me, it feels like there's a natural path to this. Totally. And, you know, and companies will swear by it. Like I, I would, you know, uh, I think if you take anybody from AWS leadership, take them aside and say, hey, you know, tell us, you know, what are some of the core things that you got right in the early days? I, you know, it's inevitable, you know, they'll say we got metering right. You know, we, because you can't be flying blind and, and just on a whim and how to grow a business. So, uh, so 100% yes. And, and I think the other things, um, why we are so bullish, but I think more than that, now there's ample evidence and, and data that's sort of backing this thesis. So 
the shift to usage-based pricing and billing, I think you're actually just kind of going down that path, right? So how do you stay competitive? Um, it's cloud computing's obviously leveled the playing field in terms of giving access to technology infrastructure. You already know, needed $5 million just to kind of buy Oracle and a bunch of other things to even get started. <laughs> so it's been a great leveler. I mean, a couple of guys in the garage can put out just as much, you know, uh, in any other company. So it's all about time to market ideas. So in that realm, how do you stay competitive? And I think people are finding that uh, it's given that you're going to have competitors. Others are going to come into your space. So within that, how do you bubble to the top? And uh, there's this whole thing being talked about called TLG, product-led growth, or basically taking friction out from user adoption, from customer adoption, right? Making that whole process a little bit more, more and more streamlined, more and more uh, uh, easy and, and uh, sort of the right combination of self-service and kind of getting the customer situated to a point where you know and they know that, yeah, this is the right product for me. And then mm -hmm. maybe in sales and you kind of take it forward from a cross-sell upsell perspective. So this thing is loosely being talked about, I think, in the realm of PLG product-led growth. And this is, again, how, you know, all of this is uh, in going in the realm of being competitive, getting out ahead. Customers have a lot of choices because they have a lot of choices, but they don't have a lot of time. Everybody has still 24 hours in the day, uh, but the choices are many. So companies will have to figure out how do you how do you put yourself in the in the shoes of your customers or users. They're only going to have limited time in in terms of giving trying to evaluate your product because there's five others they need to look at. So how do you make it easy? And again, metering is the underlying foundation if you want to successfully build a TLG motion. Think about it. And again, you know this is while well, so obvious, but sometimes not intuitive. I like to sort of joke, who's the biggest PLG provider on the planet? It's AWS, right? Sometimes yeah. people say, yeah, well, you know, my product is not conducive to a PLG motion. You know, it needs sales team uh, right from the get-go. I don't know. I mean, I look at 300 services under the umbrella inside AWS up and down the stack, and there's so many complicated service there, services there. Well, they're all in PLG motion, right? You, you get customers in, get them to start using something, uh, give them a good experience. And the whole idea is, is uh, usage-based pricing and billing, the idea is you take uh, friction points out as they start to scale. Give them a path to grow. I mean, why do you want to get in the way? If, if they are naturally, organically growing, just let them grow. And then the artifact that will allow you to do that is, is a usage-based model, right? So not a seed-based, because seed-based has these step functions. Somebody has to call somebody to go from 10 users to 20 users. But if it's a usage-based, okay, you know, I like your product, I'll keep using, I'm inviting others in the company, great, just start using it. Later, you can come in with the sales team and maybe offer a, a longer-term contract or, you know, do some promotion discount. Kind of get uh, yeah, so that's, then again, how do you enable this? you got to have a metering artifact that is tracking, again, which customers are lending, who's using how much, where are they in my free tier or free trial, and then where's the usage footprint? And so it's really the backbone uh, for sort of modern even business models and business stuff. Yeah, and from a product perspective, like the metering data to me seems like it would be really, really useful in understanding what parts of your product are resonating with your users. Because that's one of the, the challenges of a startup is you build your product and then you have to figure out like one of the things I, I frequently say is when you launch your product, you have to figure out what the difference between what you built and what the customers thought you built was and close that gap. And, and metering seems like if done correctly, it's going to just point that out like a beacon. Yeah, totally correct. In fact, you know, a, a little bit of a good segue. So about the name Amberflow. Let me tell you uh, how, how sort of that came about. I think your audience might find this intriguing. Uh, so what I grew up, or, you know, for the time I was at AWS, the way I sort of internalized, you know, when I got uh, understood, you know, metering and, and how we were building services and then how we launched and the whole uh, usage base, business model, how it drove organic growth and adoption. The vision I had in mind is, you know, if you think about metering as we've talked about, and we talked about that it is essentially an event stream, 
right? But it's an event stream. Those events are really your, your coins of gold. It's, it's like a liver, river of uh, money that's flowing, right? Because what is being used by whom? <laughs> when, where, how much? <laughs> so the term amber flow comes from amber, so the color of gold. By the way, amber is also bright sky in, in Sanskrit. And the flow is the river. So that's sort of how, uh, you know, just uh, the concoction kind of came together. Because that's really what it is. Metering is that river of your business, your goal, your money, your usage. And uh, how can you yeah. how can operate without having, without giving it its, two, its true um, diligence and resources and making sure that it's intact and scaling? Uh, right on. I love that analogy. You can just reach down into the amber flow and scoop out however much you want. That's right. You know, <laughs> So, and that's, quite frankly, that's how it is with most, you know, all cloud providers. It is, this is the service uh, that tracks and uh, whether your product, service, customer team, they're all leveraging this, uh, this data set. Yeah. And like the, like you, you've mentioned a couple times that most companies end up building their own metering service because a, a service didn't exist, but I can only imagine the number of questions that you have to answer to get the metering service right. So in terms of Amber flow, like what's the, what's an onboarding experience look like there? What, what, it, what does a potential user of Amber flow need to know in order to onboard with Amber flow? Yeah. Yeah. Another great question. So uh, let me actually just, I thought of something back to, uh, Further sort of distinction, because I'm, I'm sure, okay, if, if you are an engineer product uh, or engineering side, okay, you're thinking, yeah, but okay, uh, I still have questions. Why cannot I still do it through monitoring? Why cannot mm-hmm. I still do it observably? Because, you know, we grew up that way, right? So, right. Uh, and uh, one of the things as well, you know, as, as humans, it's, uh, uh, how's the best way to say that, you know, uh, sometimes, um you know, we just like to think, see things uh, from the lens that we're comfortable with, right? So we've grown up with. No, say it isn't so. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you know, but that's just how it is. So, uh, anytime uh, you're gonna come across something new, you're gonna right away try to see, yeah, but you know, do I really need it? Is it really that different? Uh, so, there's a period of where, anytime you launch something new, we as the the, the company or the the institution that is bringing that, you know, you have to be prepared to be misunderstood for some period of time. That's totally okay. And I think if you look back at any times, you know, uh, also there's a great adage that I've read somewhere, you know, all inventions uh, seem impossible until they're invented and then they seem in- inevitable. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I just, this one, I just, you know, it's, it's, uh, I lean on this quite a bit. Uh, I think that's just uh, how things are. But anyway, so one of the things about metering is, uh, and also, you know, we'll answer a question. So how do we onboard customers and, and what they ask for. We do still get asked, hey, look, I already have an ingestion pipeline. You know, I'm doing it through logging or I'm doing it through monitoring. I'm doing it through X, Y, Z. And uh, fair enough, I can even try to uh, get it so I can try to catch the attribution aspect of it and I can adjust uh, the schema and whatnot. Here's the problem with that, and, and this resonates. See, uh, if we align on as we did, but the job of metering is to give you that insight, what has been used by whom, when, what, where, how much, but also to do it accurately and consistently. Okay, Now let's work our way backwards to how we can guarantee that accuracy. And, and the reason why then you need to have a separate metering service. See, uh, from the time where the event originates that you wish to track, could be an IoT event, could be a system event, could be an EC2 event, could be a storage event, could be an API event. From wherever the event is originating, if the event has done multiple hops, by the time it gets to your monitoring, logging service, and then within that service, it has done multiple hops, and then you say, yeah, I have the event, use it for pricing and billing, you may be able to get by for a little bit mm-hmm. until the Somebody on the other end says, I don't trust this bill. 
tell me, unpack the events that uh, got me to this uh, metered bill. Now you have a problem because who is going to take ownership of that remediation? And this is very typical. We see this all the time and, and companies trip over this, unfortunately, even after the fact that they've decided to go usage-based pricing and billing until they encounter the first outage or this first hiccup. And then you know, scramble, you know, one person from finance and one from accounting and one from product and one from support and one from engineering. And okay, what, what happened? Well, we don't know what went to this system and then from this system it went to this system, it came into a data warehouse and then we did ETL and then it went to relational and then we did this. Somewhere the event got dropped. You have basically lost lineage. If you have lost lineage, you're, you're, you, have, you cannot back that ability of the bill. Metering guarantees you that lineage. Therefore, the design thesis and the deployment uh, model for metering is put metering as close as possible to where the original event is originating. Get that event as quickly as directly into the metering service. And if you eliminate these tops, because metering guarantees you, if somebody's offering you a metering service as a as a uh, as a product service solution, you are you after taking down the path. Hey, walk me through how you guarantee me accuracy. Uh, you know, and we should be telling you some of the things that I'm outlining now. That yeah, this is what we do. Yeah. So in the like in the past, we would we would do things like annotate the logs, you know, annotate them with a, a, a GUID and that GUID could be associated with a specific sequence of actions. But then even whenever it comes time, like you said, to, to prove it, you have to go to all of these disconnected systems and search for that GUID and, and hope it was there and that, you know, nothing, nothing happened and that it's, it's able to be stored in a format where you can parse and, and search by that. And so the metering service is a completely different shift so that it's an external thing that its sole job is to just store that data so you don't have to try and annotate it at every piece of your infrastructure along the way. Exactly. And, and you do it once and, and you're set for life. And, yeah. and because therefore, the reasons why, and then again, you know, why you went down the path of GUID and all that and why you didn't think of a meeting service because the business demand was not there. You know, maybe once in a while that request came up, right? Or once in a while, you know, and then it was really more engineering request and a support request rather than a customer accounting revenue rec issue, right? That has For to sure. be solved. Like you cannot just charge somebody a wrong amount. That is just fact, you know, you get called out for that, right? That's, that's you know, <laughs> So, you know, you have to do accurate billing. You, you can only charge for, for what is owed to you. Um, so, you know, those are federated, you know, federally mandated statutes. So, therefore, now there's this onus that is coming down to product and engineering teams. And this may not be just a one-off thing that we might hear once in every six months or something, and it's okay, we can scramble some resources and do that. You know, I mean, some customers may just want to ask, hey, I, give me visibility into, did I actually use this much? And... Um, like Amberflow system will give you the full lineage of the entire meter bill, you track it all the way back, and you want to send them a list of those events that aggregated into the invoice, have at it. It's right there at your disposal. Right on. That's cool. That's cool. And so I'm assuming that Amberflow, this, the um, pricing model of that is a, a metered service? Yeah. So, you know, we do, uh, like I said, you know, so we have, uh, we're proud of this fact, the world's most rich, uh, full-featured, fully managed cloud metering service at scale. Okay. Uh, we're proud of the fact, you know, uh, one of our larger customers today already sending us 4 billion meter events a day. On a metering. Oh, wow. Okay. And because uh, they get it, like, you know, uh, they are shifting lock, stock, and barrel, everything, the entire product portfolio to usage-based pricing and billing. It starts with Accurate metering, accurate accuracy is key. So events come into uh, Amberflow raw events, they get aggregated, they get sliced over time stream, and now you have a system of usage of what is being used by whom, when, what, where, how much. So that is our metering service. We view our metering service as a platform, horizontal platform service. And then on top of that, we offer you what we call our billing cloud, which is what we consider an application that sits on top of the metering platform. 
Our billing cloud then gives you all the customer-facing artifacts for you to build flexible usage-based pricing plan. You want to charge on APIs, you want to charge on a tiered model, you want to then charge on prepaid, you want to charge on commits, you want to do promotions, discounts, and our billing cloud then generates uh, on-demand, real-time, metered invoicing and billing. So that's how the platform comes together. Wow, that's cool. That's super impressive. Yeah. And, you know, it's taken a while, uh, you know, and therefore, like, you know, we got started talking you know, about three years in. And, you know, we were at least uh, for about a year and a half just in, in core development. I mean, this is uh, something that uh, credit to my early investors. Um, we were upfront with, with them about this, that, hey, as I was telling you earlier about sort of the, the Silicon Valley story, that, you know, this is not a, a fly-by-night thing, you know, we're in, not, in four months, you know, don't don't come asking us, you know, what is the ARR? It's going to take us a while to do it. <laughs> right. And, you know, this is, you know, this is like, uh, uh, I'm really kind of wrapped up around this because I think a lot more innovation could be happening as I think if, if just uh, uh, the Silicon Valley was perhaps a little bit more open to, uh, it takes time. It takes time to build something that is differentiated, that is sustainable, uh, and I say that again, you know, look, um, uh, I was the GM for Amazon Cloud Search, one of the services. And then later our team also launched Amazon uh, Elasticsearch, which is now called Amazon Open Search. Mm-hmm. Cloud Search took two and a half years to build before we saw the light of day, before we got our first beta customer. Okay. Wow. And that's at Amazon scale, Will. Yeah. Redshift, my good friend, uh, you know, uh, Anurag Gupta, who's also running a startup, uh, Redshift took uh, uh, over three years before it saw the light of day. And, you know, and therefore, these are now multi-billion dollar businesses inside AWS. You know, you, you want to think big, you want to do something big. Uh, it takes time, you know, it, it takes time to think this thing through and build that uh, full set of uh, capabilities that will be differentiated, that will be meaningful. So uh, anyhow, so that's sort of been our story. I'm, I'm glad to say that we found alignment in the investor that we uh, we got, uh, who understood and uh, was willing to play a little bit of a different uh, you know playbook than a traditional startup. Yeah, congratulations for sure on that because that is not your average investor who's willing to invest for a, a long investment or a long payoff like that. It's yeah. it's something we've gotten spoiled with over the last I don't know twenty years, and um, I think I think that's very short sighted. Like you mentioned, you know these some of these products take a long time to build, and you you have to be very disciplined and focused in what you're trying to build to commit to holding back the release date until you have the product that does what you know it should be doing. That's right, Will. Yeah. And, you know, and I think especially in tech, particularly in software, right? Because, you know, there there are a few things that if you don't get it right from the outset, you just cannot go back and revisit, right? You know this better than anybody else, right? So that is the thing. And that's why uh, it's a combination of, you know, right environment, support from leadership. Uh, because if you feel pressure to just go, I got to launch a guy, raise money, I got to go and start showing some ARR in four to six months, you're going to shortcut on those uh, choices. Yeah, And uh, you can never go back and revisit them. And uh, one of the things that we wanted to do, and I'll, I'll share this uh, sort of with your audience, a little bit of our sort of internal uh, IP and thesis. So, uh, you know, we talked about the whole lineage of the events and all of that, right? Now, you know what? Well, so, well, I have given you that picture. So, I'm I'm offering as a vendor a metering service, right? And it's uh, basically a like an AWS style, quote unquote, a black box. Yeah, I guarantee you, you send me the raw event and outcome. I'll send you the aggregated view, and we are the system of record, and you can lean on my service, and you can hold us accountable. Or the accuracy. Okay, we get, we make that guarantee. So now uh, 
if you are for a moment inside my company and you're in, in, a, in a product and engineering discussion as well, we still have the same problem to solve internally, right? I mean, if, if my architecture is 10 different things and things are going, you know, there, there's uh, different artifacts, I still have to manage this lineage and an audit trail of the event. So what is that architecture? And uh, uh, and that's why you know uh, having the the right ecosystem partners, uh, investors, team, technology, product, and engineers is really that unique combination. So uh, what I'll share with you is uh, look, you know, you can put some very smart engineers together and say, hey, let's go architect a metering service. Right now, you come from technical background. And say, okay, so what is a metering service? Well, it's an event ingestion system, so I'm going to need a Kafka. Okay, so let's put a Kafka in place. Well, there's data flowing in, so I'm going to need a data warehouse. Okay, so that's, let's put that in place. Well, there's some state management, and then there's a few other things that I'm going to have to kind of connect. So I'm going to need to have a relational uh, database for sort of quick response. I'm going to put a relational database in place. Okay, and you know, and you would come up with a pretty good metering service. Well, uh, I can share with you that we don't use any of that. And there's a reason for it, right? And, and, and it's not just, you know, put a chip on my shoulder, but what is it that you're after? Or what is it that you're designing? See, this is what I'm referring to. What is the, the core tenet? What is the design thesis? What is your ultimate long-term goal? Our ultimate long-term goal is what I've already outlined with you and your audience, that, you know, we, we are going to be the metering service for this planet. You have a metering need for a metering service, I am telling you right now, and if I fall short on this, you can just call me out and anyone of your audience can write to me. We are going to be the best, most futurist, the best price performing metering service you can find on this planet. Yeah, it, you know, your your passion in that when you were when you were talking about that, just like your passion just like really came through and it was that was very, very cool to see because there's yeah. no disputing. Like you can just hear it in your voice. There's no disputing what you said. You can just tell that you believe it with every cell in your body. But another thing that that stood out to me there was um, one of the challenges a lot of companies face is your engineers building your product have to actually use that product to see it as your customers would see it. But that's just built into your business model. Like you are 100% dependent on your own product for success as a company, because that's your, you know, not it's not only how you make your money, but it's how you bill your customers to make your money. That's uh, that's again a very astute observation on your part. Hundred percent, yes. By the way, and this was also something that was part of the excitement of starting this company. You know, we thought this to hey, we're going to be Amberflow and Amberflow. We call that's how we call it. Right. <laughs> So, uh, and, and, you know, I'll, I'll also sort of connect the dots. Well, again, one of those things, very obvious, uh, maybe some companies just kind of lucky in that regard, but I, I'll tell you uh, uh, where that awareness was there even before starting the company. Okay? It's easy to say, yeah, we, we knew it, but I'll, I'll actually even bring some cred- credibility to that. When I got hired into AWS back in 2011, uh, we were, uh, my charter was to build Amazon Cloud Search, which arguably was probably our first quote-unquote has service. Everything else was infrastructure, if you think about it, right? Compute, storage, you know, EC2. So search is a little bit a little bit farther up the stack. And right. uh, uh, so cloud search, internally, we were referring to cloud search was sort of the first PaaS service built natively that was built, first PaaS AWS service that was built using AWS. Okay, so underneath cloud search, Maybe different now, but you know, back in the day, I think we were using twelve or thirteen different AWS services. <laughs> right. Okay. To build a, that's what's going on behind the scene and, and cloud search. So this concept of you know uh, first AWS service built using AWS, uh, you know. So I had some awareness of that, and same thing here. So Amberphone, Amberphone. Yeah, we are. We start our day with our own daily dashboards uh, that are being delivered to us from a metering service on what has been used by whom, when, what, where, how much from our customers. Oh, that's so cool. And, and just to comment on on open search real quick, I was I was very excited when that product released because I had spent years prior to that managing my own Elasticsearch clusters and 
you know, running the the J the the JMX metrics, monitoring the heap stack, waiting for that node to crash so that I could detect it and replace it, and then trying to avoid the split brain and maintain availability. So to be able to just pay AWS money to get out of that business, I, I couldn't hand over my credit card fast enough. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I know that's uh, you know, and that's been the foundation for many of the the service. I mean, that's one of the templates at AWS and, and and other cloud providers, right? Open source, and then uh, basically wrapping it into the cloud ecosystem. Right on. Yeah. Cool. Well, we are just crossing an hour here. So, if um, if our listeners are interested in learning more about metering or want to get in contact with you, what kind of resources have you got for them? Yeah, sure thing. Well, so best is I'd invite you to uh, just land on our website www.amberflow.io. And a um, uh, lot of information there. We have our full set of documentation uh, docs uh, that are available to you. You can very quickly unpack what are these artifacts, what are some of the design patterns, how to engage with them. Uh, but please, uh, you know, as you're on the website, look around, uh, drop us a note. Uh, love to connect with you. If you are thinking about usage-based pricing and billing, no strings attached. I'm always happy to, to compare, share some notes, lessons learned. If you're already down the path of usage-based pricing and billing, uh, happy to compare some nodes if you're running into some friction areas and how you might streamline it. But yeah, welcome you to come back on our website. Awesome. Well, this has been a really exciting conversation for me. It's been insightful, eye-opening, and I've really enjoyed it. So thank you for taking the time out of your day to join me here. Oh, my pleasure, Will. It was uh, very, very exciting for me. Just Time just kind of went by. So, it did. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And thanks for listening, everyone. And we will see you all in the next episode.